You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are glad that you were joining us again for another episode. Uh, we'd like to encourage you to come in, and if you haven't done so, please take the time to subscribe and download our episodes. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, listening to our content each week as we release it each Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I also want to encourage you to uh, come over to our Facebook page, the Bonefire Ministries Facebook page. Uh, be sure that you like and follow us there. You'll be able to learn more about the organization. Uh, have our episodes posted there uh, each week so that you can share those with your friends and your family uh, there on your social media feed. And then as we're talking about that, um, we need you to spread the word. Uh, please be telling people about the Bonefire Podcast as you're listening. If you're a first-time listener, listener, I encourage you to stay in, listen a while, and then hopefully you, uh, at the end of that, will want to go tell someone else about this podcast um, as we come together to study God's Word. And and so I have one more announcement for us, Dad, uh, and it's a, a kind of a, a good news, a celebration for us. We are coming on our one-year anniversary. That's right. And so we released our first episode, um, I believe, um, I looked at it this morning, and I've already forgot the date. I think it was like June uh, 9th, and so it's coming up this week will be uh, the exact one year uh, since we started um, our episode zero, the kickoff mm-hmm. um, episode for uh, Bonefire Ministries. And um, I've just pulled some com- some stats here to share with everyone kind of uh, about the podcast and what we've done over the last year. So at this point, as of this episode that we're recording right now and that you're listening to, um, we are uh, all the way at 51 episodes. Uh, we've got over 2,400 downloads, and um, we have a large listening audience that listens to us on Facebook, and so uh, we actually have more people listening uh, than just those those 2,400 downloads, mm-hmm. um, but that's the, the statistic that we have. Um, our podcast has been able to reach listeners from 32 different countries around the world. That's wonderful. And so the message of Christ has gone uh, far beyond the dining room table here in Emmons, South Carolina. We've got uh, listeners from 35 of the 50 states in the United States, so uh-huh. uh, good coverage here in the states. And then if you total up, uh, we on average are about 45 minutes per episode. And so if you take our uh, number of episodes right now, we've got over 38 hours of uh, historical content that's out there. So 38 hours Mm -hmm. of Bible teaching. Um, Bible studies that you can go out and you can listen. Those are always out there. And so I'd encourage you, if you just found us and you're uh, a new listener, go back and listen to some of those old episodes. Um, There's good content there, and we're going to leave that there. And so, um, you know, Dad, I think when we first started this, I told you a statistic that I read that I think it's like 80% of podcasts that start don't make it past seven episodes. Mm -hmm. And so, again, that's 80% of all episodes that record one episode. Uh, most of them never make it past seven. And right. so there, there are definitely hundreds of thousands, if not millions of podcasts out there at this point. Um, but uh, we're one of those that made it past the seven. So that's right. Thank <laughs> that, the Lord. That, that's yeah. a, a good goal that we were able to to achieve. And so um, I just want to uh, say thank you, Dad, for, for going along the ride with the, with me here. And uh, thank you to our listeners who have been sticking with us over the course of the last year. We hope that you'll continue to stick with us and, again, that you'll uh, tell others about us uh, going forward. Um, we're going to do a couple things to kind of honor uh, this one-year anniversary. Uh, starting with our next episode, we'll have a new podcast cover art uh, that we'll be releasing 
And so that'll be updating kind of the look of the podcast, uh, same content, same same style that we've always been doing, uh, but just a little graphic there that will change. And then um, I hope to, depending on delivery of, of some things, uh, be able to do some giveaways to kind of celebrate our, our one year here. So right. uh, pretty exciting. Uh, we made it a full year and hopefully we'll, we'll make it at least another year. I hope so, son. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been great. It's been a good time. And so again, uh, thank you all for listening and, and staying with us. And again, please uh, continue to stay with us and tell others to help us to grow uh, our podcast ministry here. Well, Dad, we're going to uh, pick up where we left off last time. This is going to be week six of Rejoice Always. It's a study through uh, First Philippians. And uh, in our last episode, we discussed how Paul uh, passionately proclaimed that only Christ is needed for true salvation. And he said that nothing that we can do or anything that we can be uh, can be added to the, the salvation equation. That's uh, right. And that salvation equation is basically faith. Right. equals salvation. Faith in Christ plus, of course, repentance uh, equals a salvation. But there's nothing else we can do in there. You start adding works or, or anything else to it, and that disrupts, and that's a heresy doctrine there. That's um, right. It is only the work of the cross uh, that gets us uh, to salvation. And that's so right. Paul outlined that for us uh, so great last time. Uh, Paul also said that a, a true believer— um, that he looks at things and the things of the world and and the things of this earth, that they don't matter to him. And Mm -hmm. uh, and they shouldn't matter to that of us as a believer. And in fact, we should uh, look at it as as, as rubbish or garbage. Right. um, And that we should focus on Christ only. That was the kind of the two main points from uh, last week's uh, episode. And so on this episode, again, we're going to pick up in chapter three. We'll be starting at verse 12 here. And in our study today, we'll see that Paul continues to build on the theme of Christ only. And Paul says, that uh, with your mindset on Christ only, uh, do these things to be successful in Christian living. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're going to talk about what it means to be a successful Christian. A lot of people want to find success in life, but what does it look like to be a successful Christian? We're going to dive into that a little bit today. And so without further delay, let's jump in and look at these four things that Paul says that we need to be, uh, we need to do in order to be successful in Christian living. And so we're going to look at the first one. And the first one Paul tells us is to focus Focus on the goal. Mm-hmm. Focus on the goal. And that's going to bring us to verses 12 through 16. And so I'm going to read that for uh, for our listeners. If you've got your Bible, I encourage you to turn to chapter 3, verse 12. And we'll look here together, read here together. It says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold for me. Brethren, do not count. I do not count myself to appre- to have apprehended, um, but one thing I do f- is forgetting things that are behind me and reaching forward to those things that are ahead of me. I press forward toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind, and if there are any of you who think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that which you have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. And so uh, in these opening verses here, Paul again tells us to focus on the goal. And and so we really have to define what the goal is. And I kind of already alluded to it, Dad, is uh, Paul here is really talking about successful Christian living. Right. And and when I was thinking about, you know, how is that defined? 
Um, it can be defined a couple of different ways. Um, it all basically looks the same. Using the verses prior to this, you know, Paul talked about he wanted to know Christ. He wanted to know Christ in power of his resurrection. He wanted a fellowship in his suffering. He wanted to be conformed to his death. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was saying is is a successful Christian living. Right. Um, you were saying just before we started the podcast that really successful Christian living is Christ-likeness, right? That's right. It's being like Jesus. Being like Jesus. And so um, really all of this comes together in a, in a term or a doctrine that we always uh, like to, to reference is sanctification, right? Right. It's that process by which a, a, uh, a sinner um, accepts Christ, and then the Holy Spirit comes in and does the work of Christ in their life to remove those sinful um, behaviors and those sinful temptations and conform them and make them to look like that of Christ. Um, and it is a progressive process. Process. It That's continues right. over time. Mm-hmm. And so that is uh, successful Christian living, is being made into the image of Christ. And ultimately, I think another thing that talks about successful Christian living is is really uh, completing the plan that God has for our life, right? That's right. I think that you know God has a plan for each and every one of us. He's got a plan for your life and my life and all of the folks who are listening to us. There's something that he has created us to do. He's given us right. gifts and talents, and part of being a successful Christian is completing the plan that he's laid out for you. Right. It doesn't all look the same. Your plan's not the same as my plan, mm-hmm. uh, but completing what God's put before you is part of successful living. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing that I thought about when I think about successful Christian living is, of course, everyone, when they draw their last breath and they ultimately stand before the Creator, uh, they want to hear that statement, well done, that good and faithful servant. That's right. Meaning that you've you put it all out there, you've given it all that you could to live for Christ and to, again, complete that mm-hmm. that plan that God has for you. And at the end, you want to hear that well done, That's right. uh, that you've done a great job. And so in verse 12, Paul says... Uh, I'm not there yet. (laughs) Kind of an interesting statement. He says, I haven't reached God's full potential for me. Uh, So I keep on going. I keep on preaching. I keep on serving. I keep on praying. I keep on reading. I keep on seeking. Yes, I press on for there is a goal ahead of me. You know, Dad, I think that uh, Paul had such a great perspective here. Paul could have easily done like many of us do. Like we, we like to look around us and, and compare ourselves to others, right? Mm-hmm. And we like to, to look over here at, at, at who whoever this is and whoever that is. And we, we say, well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm a better Christian than they are. Or I've done more for the Lord than, than they have. And I and feel pretty good about herself. If anybody could have done that, Paul, mm-hmm. at this point, could have looked around himself and saw that, hey, I'm doing pretty good. I, I've I've arrived. I've achieved uh, what I was called here to do. But he says, nope, I, I haven't made it there. And the reason why he said that is he kept his focus on Christ. Right. And he wasn't comparing himself to other believers around him. He was comparing himself to one person, mm-hmm. and that was Christ. And when he looked at Christ, he said, I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm, I'm still short of what Christ is. I haven't become exactly like Christ. I haven't made it there, and so he's he's telling us as listeners, I'm not there yet, and I've got to keep going. I've got to keep pursuing uh, the goal of Christ likeness, and we have to be careful here because uh, you know we've talked about in the the previous verses when we, in our last episode that it can be very close to getting to workspace salvation right and right. that's not what Paul's saying no. here at all Mm-mm. you know Paul's are, are, knows what Christ has done for him he's accepted uh, the gift of Calvary uh, but he's saying that there's still work that he needs to do in order to uh, be like Christ and fulfill what he wants to be which is ultimately what God wants him to be 
That's right. Paul compared the Christian life to a race, a race that we have not finished running. And sometimes in running a race, you feel like you're getting a little bit behind. You know you are. There's other people ahead of you. And we're not in competition with other people. This is uh, our own individual race. And we're to see like Jesus at the finish line. And we're to give it our all until we cross that finish line and and not not focus on other people in the race and, and how far that they have run the race. We're to give it our all. In other words, Paul said, when I press on, Paul said, I'm like a runner and I am sprinting. And the finish line is to become like Jesus. Now, ultimately, we will all become like Jesus as believers when we die, and we are radically transformed uh, by God into the likeness of Jesus. But I'll tell you what, I hope he doesn't have to, uh, to transform transform me as radical as perhaps uh, he might have had to transform me 10 years ago. I hope I'm closer to being more like Jesus today than I was then. Mm-hmm. I want to strive, I want to sprint to be more like Jesus and give it all I've got. That's exactly right. And and that's a great great point. Is we definitely want to get closer than we are today, uh, but I also think it's it's good to to say that you know that's something that we know doesn't get achieved in in, in this lifetime or on this side of heaven, right? Right. Uh, so it doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been a Christian or been following Jesus, there's still work to be done. Right. There's still the need to press on, and Paul's going to talk about that just in a, in a little bit here, and we'll, we'll touch on that. What's interesting is that Paul used the measuring stick of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Christ was his template. And when he compared himself to that standard of Christ, he said, no, I'm not there yet. So I must press on because there's more work that needs to be done to to get to be uh, just like Christ. And so just great first verses there. Yeah. I feel like a fellow that's got a placard uh, hanging over my chest that says under construction. That's right. If you're looking at me, judging me now and say, oh, you know, you're far away from Jesus. And uh, I don't want to be. But uh, the truth is, I'm under construction. God's not finished with me yet. That's right. Amen to that. Well, and looking over into verse 13, um, Paul gives us some practical advice here. And so in verse uh, 13, it, it says, uh, Brethren, I do, not, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Again, he's saying I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead of me. And so Paul's practical practical advice or his tip here, he says, hey, this is how I do it. He says, I'm good at forgetting. You know, Dad, it's, it's difficult to go forward when you keep looking back. And right. what's true physically is even more true spiritually. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Paul says, I don't look back. Uh, specifically, he says, I forget what's behind me. And, you know, Paul here is not suggesting that there's a complete memory right that occurs, but rather the word that's used here to forget really means to, to care for, to focus on. And so, obviously, Paul wrote about his history. You know, he had a history of persecuting the church, right. and, and and he was there as, uh, as Stephen was martyred, uh, holding the cloaks of the very men that, that did that. And so he, he knows his past, and he remembers his past, but that's not something he dwells on. And he doesn't keep thinking about the things where he failed short. 
Um, he also doesn't think about all the good things he's done. I mean, again, it would be easy as Paul. We're talking about the Apostle Paul. He's one of the major authors of the New Testament. And at this point, it would be very easy for him to sit back and say, well, look at all the good things I've done. I think I can call it a day. I think, I, I think I'm good. Yeah. But he forgot all those things in the past, and he continued to look forward to the goal. That's right. You know, Paul was one that even took a trip to the third heaven and came back. Yeah. And he could have boasted about that. I, I think sometimes we are tempted to to kind of lay down, rest on a laurel, so to speak, because we've experienced in our church revival in the past. But uh, but yesterday's victories don't suffice for today. Mm-hmm. We're not to rely upon yesterday's victories. We're living in the day, and we're to move forward, keep moving. And you know, if anybody, like you said. Uh, if anybody could have been weighed down by the sins of the past, it would be Paul. For he himself even said in the Scripture, he looked at himself and he said, you know, I am the chief of all sinners. Yeah. If anybody had a right to be depressed by his sinful behavior in the past, it would be him. But he is saying, look, I'm forgetting the past. I'm let go. I am letting go of the guilt, the grief, and the grudge. You cannot change the past, but with God's help, you can change the future. A lot of people are crucified between two thieves: the regrets of yesterday and the fears of the future. You know, you can't drive your car while looking in the rearview mirror. Well, I guess you can, but you're going to get in a wreck. That's right. You know, you need to keep your eyes focused on what's ahead of you, and that's what Paul did. That's right. So his tip was not to focus on, again, past sinful pleasures, past evil acquaintances, uh, past good works, but rather to focus on the things that were before him and before us, which is increased holiness and the prize of eternal glory in heaven. And so uh, Paul says that that's the tip. That's what we do. And again, uh, as we move into verse 14, we see Paul uses the word press. Um, he said press on, and then in verse uh, 14 here, uh, he says that I press toward the goal or the prize. Um, and so here, when he uses that word press, it speaks of the intensity of the effort uh, that he is putting forth toward attaining this prize. And again, you, Dad, you talked about Paul uh, and his other writings use the, the analogy of a race, of a runner, right? And running, and you can just envision someone that has a finish line out in front of him and is just giving everything that they've got in the last little bit of the, the energy tank right. uh, to make it across the line. And when he uses the word press here, that's what he's talking about, is he's given every every ounce of energy that he has to make it to the goal, uh, to get across that goal line. You know, sometimes I, I think about this, that older people, especially people that have been Christians and have been faithful to God for years and years, they kind of slack up as they get older. They think, well, we're just going to we're going to let the young people come in and do all this, that, and the other in the church. And I'm certain uh, that uh, any pastor would say, yes, there's a place for everybody at the table to serve God. We want the younger people to be involved. But older people can't sit down and lay down on God. They hadn't crossed the finish line yet. They need to be like Paul, keeping and pushing and giving it the best they can. You know, I think about an older gentleman, Ike Bryant, in our church. Uh, Ike never gave up. I mean, he was 94 years old and when he died. And, and say, like, up till 93 and a half, 
uh, he was visiting more people than I as the pastor was visiting during yeah. the week. He was retired, and he went around, visited the shut-ins, and encouraged them, witnessed the people sitting in wheelchairs in the nursing home. He'd come tell us about somebody he led to faith in Jesus. Hey, that's the way I want to go out. That's exactly right. You know, Dad, when you were saying that, it, it triggered something in my brain. I heard it said once that there is no retirement plan in Christianity, or there shouldn't be at least, right? Right. You know, in, in our our, our world and in, in, in the secular world, everyone's uh, trying to move toward this goal of retirement, right? We we know at some point we're not going to be able to work, and so you do all this effort to store up things so that you one day uh, can take it easy. But in the Christian life, in the life of a Christian, there is no retirement. That's you right. know, we should be working and serving uh, just as much uh, as a mature, older Christian as a younger Christian and, and continuing to press toward the goal. And in fact, that's exactly what Paul talks about in these next verses here. You know, I want to be as a pastor like the pastor at Inman Mills Baptist Church in our area. He's about 85 years old, still pastoring. He's pastoring a church, and while he's pastoring the church, he's building a family life center for young people. That's what I want to do when I'm 85. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's doing a great job there. Yeah. So in, in verse uh, 15, uh, we see that Paul actually calls out these mature Christians uh, that we're talking about here, and he says, hey, just don't sit there, but you too need to press on and there's work that needs to be done. You're not there yet either. And so exactly what you were talking about here, Dad, Paul Paul goes ahead and jumps on. And he says, mature Christians, hey, guys, get in the game, uh, that you need to press on. There's work to be done. Mm-hmm. And he even goes as far as to say that if any of you think differently, I'm going to leave you to God, and God hopefully will change your mind. And, and to, to say, hey, you're, you're not finished. You're not a completed work. Uh, you're not a finished work. You need to get back in, in here, and you need to press on as well. And so just a, a great segue there into these verses here uh, where Paul says we need to be pressing on toward that gold. And then again, doesn't matter where you are, what age you are, uh, you need to be doing that. That last verse there that we see, um, which is verse 16, it says, Nevertheless, to the degree... Uh, that we have already attained, let us walk in in the same rule, let us be of the same mind. And so when he's talking about uh, the degree at which we have attained, he's talking about regardless of where you are in your spiritual walk, whether you're a, a day one Christian or whether you're a saint of 40, 50, 60 years, the goal is still the same. Right. And the effort that's put into that goal should be the same. And that we should all be pressing forward and we should all have that same mindset that Christ is before us. That is our target is to be like Christ. And until we get to glory, we're not there yet. We got to keep going. That's exactly right. You know, I want to go back to something that you pointed out in verse 15, the last part of verse 15, mm-hmm. where uh, I just go ahead and read the whole verse. He said, therefore, let us as many as are mature meaning spiritual mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Now, um, you know, some people Paul knew would think that they didn't need to grow any more spiritually, but I like the way Paul uh, takes it. Paul says, God will reveal to you that you do. I'll tell you what, just when you think that you arrived, God will allow a test, and it might be a severe test to come in your life, that will reveal to you that you're not near as close to God as what you thought you were. Mm-hmm. And so when just when you think that you've arrived, you watch out. Yep. Because something, God will allow something to pass through his hands. You know, Satan's wanting to destroy you anyway, but he'll allow something to pass through his hands, not to hurt you because he knows you. Yeah. But he knows that it's going to reveal, hey, 
there's some stuff in your life that need to come to the top, some impurities that need to be scraped off. You're not where you think you are. Mm -hmm. And so Paul said, look, I'm not going to argue with you about it. If you think that you've arrived, God will let you know. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, you you think you're standing there on your own two feet and you say, look at me, look what I've accomplished. God will come and he'll knock those feet right out from under you. Right. And again, it's not to hurt you. It's not not to to cause harm to you, but to, to put you in a position to where you understand you still need uh, you still need work. You still need to, to rely on him, and you're not there yet. That's what pride always comes before fall. That's right. You know? that, is, that is exactly right. Very true. Very true stuff. Well, let's move on and look at the second thing that uh, Paul tells us to do if we want to move into having a successful Christian life. So the second thing he says is that we need to follow godly examples. And our, our verse here for this is verse 17, so let's read that together. It says, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. So Paul here, it's very clear in this uh, one short verse, he says, uh, follow me and let me be the example. And the, the words that are used here is the word to mimic. And mm-hmm. he's, he's basically saying, I'm mimicking Christ. And so you mimic me. And by doing so, you'll be mimicking Christ as well. Right. And he said, you know, it's not just me. There's others that are doing it as well. And so when I saw that verse, Dad, I went back to, I think it's a, a two or three podcasts ago, where Paul was telling him, he said, hey, I'm sending you Timothy, and then you also have a good example and Epaphroditus. Right. And so those would be two others that he says, model your life after, because they're serving Christ and they're fighting the good fight just as I am. They're pressing on just That's as right. I am. And, you know, to follow his example, also meaning of having his goal a desire to be more and more like Jesus. I mean, because some people could look and say, hey, Paul had arrived, but Paul said, I hadn't arrived. Yeah. And that ought to be your goal, to keep on thinking you got to be more like Jesus, you know. Exactly right. So I follow him in, in terms of his his goal and his pursuit, um, and then follow his example and, and, and follow the steps as he was doing to model his life after Christ. You know, the key word here is pattern. And let me ask you out there in podcast land a question. What kind of Christian would new believers be if they had you as a pattern and example? Mm. What kind of Christian would new believers be? All of us should remember, you know, uh, Jesus said, for I have given you an example that you should do as I've done for you. And of course, Jesus went around and washed his disciples' feet. He left his disciples an example of service. And folks, we uh, we are to give a, an example of service and living for God uh, for those that are coming after us. I, I I try to challenge our older people at church, you know, and and when I mean older, I'm I'm not talking about just older in age, but supposedly older in maturity because they've been a Christian and on the roll for years. Hey, when when we have in church on Sunday night. And you that have been a member of the church for years, you don't see the need to come anymore and get all the Bible and learn all about God you can. And then these new believers come and they look around and they say, well, where, where is uh, the such and such deacon and my Sunday school teacher? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's not a good example. No, That's not a good example. And so, you know. Those spirit, you spiritual leaders out there, you set an example for your your church. I might be getting on to you today, but I'm a pastor. Hey, I know yeah. uh, if 
You know, you need more than just uh, coming to church once a week. Matter of fact, the early church, they met as often as they could to learn and to study and encourage one another. And in the modern day church, matter of fact, if they look 2,000 years in the future, they think we hardly meet at all. Mm-hmm. So get busy, get in church, set an example for those young believers. That's exactly right. You talked about Sunday night and, and uh, you know, even Wednesday night service. Right. Uh, other thing that comes to mind is you ask people to go knock on doors. And it's amazing how few people will show up for that. We had visitation this 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 week, right? And granted, we we didn't have an opportunity to probably uh, uh, advertise it or announce it as well as we needed to. Um, but even if we had, I don't know if we would have had a a very much bigger turnout than what we did, right? And, and that's uh, that's something that uh, part of pressing on. We need people who are willing. Uh, to come and to to yeah show up at those other services and and go out and, and knock on doors that's part of being a mature Christian that's right exactly right so that's uh, the the second thing Paul tells us again is to follow godly examples and he gives us a couple things there uh, in terms of following him and then following others like maybe Timothy or Epaphroditus the third thing that Paul tells us to do is to flee from our enemies and let's look at verses eighteen. And 19, verse 18 says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. So here Paul is contrasting godly examples, and -hmm. Paul starts to speak about uh, those who were the enemies of the cross of Christ. And as I was uh, reading this, Dad, I was was thinking, you know, well, well, who exactly are these enemies? And it occurred to me that uh, that's probably the dogs from chapter 3, verse 2, right? That's right. It's it's probably those Judaizers that he's talking about again. And again, if you didn't catch that episode, Judaizers were a group of of uh, professing uh, people who professed to be Christians, uh, but they mm-hmm. were Jewish, and they were uh, tying the Jewish law, the law of Moses, uh, back to Christianity and saying, hey, yeah, it's not just Jesus, it's Jesus plus this list of things that you needed to do in order to be uh, saved. And so that's the dogs he's talking about there are the enemies of the cross. That's right. You know, these Judaizers... They were not openly hostile to Christianity, but they came in to pervert it, to change it. And, and, and the Bible warns us about people that do those kind of things. That's right. Enemies of the cross have uh, a different goal. And we talked about we need to focus on the goal and we even need to have the same goal that Paul does. But those enemies, they have a different goal. Right. And enemies of the cross have a different God and a different glory. It tells mm-hmm. us there, and I think that's verse 18 that talks about that or 19, mm-hmm. where it says that um, right here, it says it says their God is their belly and whose glory is their shame. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that, that those two statements is revealed to us in verse 19. It says, because they set their minds on earthly things. That's right. And so th- they put earthly things, earthly works, earth- earthly rituals, um, earthly hierarchy, uh, whatever it may be. We talked about in the last episode, we talked about uh, uh, religion, we talked about relationships, we po- talked about uh, righteousness, and I think reputation maybe. Uh, we talked about those R's. And so uh, th- those things are earthly things, putting the focus on earthly things. And Paul says we should flee from those enemies who do that. That's right. When he mentioned whose God is their belly, this means the most important things in their lives is satisfying their physical appetites. And we're talking about their carnal appetites. And then Paul writes, whose glory is their shame. That means they take pride in justifying the behavior 
that God condemns. That's exactly right. And so, again, these enemies of the cross, uh, Paul tells us to flee from them. He says, follow godly examples, but flee from these uh, people who are preaching and teaching a false doctrine, a, a heresy, a doctrine, um, and, and get away from them. Because, again, they're they're trying to tie things to the gospel. And as I said in our opening kind of intro there, anytime you try to add anything to the gospel equation other than Jesus and repentance, then you're, you're getting that equation all messed up. It doesn't work. Um, anything beyond that turns into some other type of works-based uh, salvation, which is, is not a true uh, salvation. And, you know, it says in verse 19 that their end is going to be destruction. That is going to be their end. Mm-hmm. I'd like to give you a little illustration here of of that I think kind of fits in what he's talking about to kind of bring it home. Ernest Hemingway He lived a life of total disregard for the laws of God. He drank heavily. He lived with different women and lived a life of wanton recklessness. In 1956, a magazine said this of Hemingway. People with different ideas about morality would call him a sinner, and the wages of sin, they say, is death. Hemingway has cheated death time and time again, to become a scarred and bearded legend, a great white hunter, a husband of four wives, a winner of Nobel and Pulitzer Prizes. Sin has paid off for Hemingway. However, after this article was written about Hemingway in 1956, it soon became apparent Hemingway's sin paid off, but not the way the magazine writer suggested. The end of Hemingway's life was marked by despair and disillusionment. He attempted suicide several times. He spent many weeks in Mayo Clinic, where he babbled around at 70% of his mental efficiency. He developed a deep sense of paranoia. Eventually, he took his own life. Those who oppose the work of God may cheat death for a while. Eventually, the road they're traveling will lead to destruction just like Paul said. Mm, that's, that's exactly right. We we talked about it last time, but I'll, I'll uh, say it again on this episode. Uh, you know, these Judaizers, um, again, they professed Christ, but then they added more to it. And so um, th- that type of thing is still going on today. Um, right. it, you know, it's not necessarily the, the, the law that's there, but it's uh, other uh, legalistic practices, other, other things that gets tr- uh, added to the gospel message. Uh, still happens today, and and as you talked about their destruction, these are going to be that same group. Um, uh, we when we co- recorded the Great White Throne uh, episode, Dad, I think I called them the Sunday crowd, mm-hmm. and and that was the the Sunday crowd were those that were churchgoers. They were the religious people, and uh, they're going to stand there and they're going to say, "Wait a second, God, I I I I did you know things in your name. I I I served you. I did these things." And he's going to say, I, "I didn't know you." Right. Apart from me, and so, mm-hmm. and they're going to be put into destruction. That that destruction is going to be that outer darkness, uh, separation from from God for all eternity. That's um, right. At that point in time, and so, you know, that's uh, that's nobody you want to associate with. So, yeah, uh, take the the guidance of Paul here. Follow uh, godly examples and flee from those that are enemies of the cross or preaching a false doctrine. That's right. Because their end is destruction, and you don't want to be involved in that. That's right. 
Well, Dad, our fourth thing that Paul tells us here is that we need to fix our expectations on eternity, and that's going to bring us to the the end of our Scripture passage here, uh, verses 20, and we're going to actually bleed over into uh, chapter 4, verse 1 here. Starting at verse 20, it says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait uh, for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed into his glorious body according uh, to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord beloved. And so here in these verses, Dad, the things that kind of stuck out to me is is obviously uh, the, the first thing that we see in verse 20 is, is Paul says, we are citizens of heaven. Mm-hmm. And the reason why he says that, at least in my mind, is he said, as citizens of heaven, we should have no want to do with earthly things. Right. And he just talked about those who were enemies of the cross. They set their mind on earthly things. Yeah. He's contrasting here, and he says, we're citizens of heaven. We don't set our mind on earthly things. We set our mind. We fix our expectation, as our point is, on eternity. Those are the things that are eternal, the things of God. Right. That's where we focus on. That's, That's where we right. place our focus. Um, and ultimately, the reason why we do it is we know that all things are going to pass away. Mm. All the things here on this earth. If they're one day going to uh, fade away and pass away. But if we put our expectation uh, on eternity and we fix our expectation there, then we're never going to be let down because what's eternal will be there forever with, with Christ. That's exactly right. The other thing that I saw here, Dad, is um, is that we are to eagerly await Jesus. And um, I love that statement there is that, uh, you know, as citizens of heaven, uh, knowing that this is not our home, we shouldn't be uh, clinging to this place. We shouldn't be longing for this to to stay here any longer. We should be waiting uh, at any moment for Jesus to come back, uh, whether that's uh, by way of our, our passing and breathing our last breath, or whether that's for Jesus to split the sky wide open and uh, for us to be raptured out of here, is we need to be eagerly awaiting Jesus. And we've talked about this before as well on, on our podcast, um, but, I, but I love how the early church um, they stayed in eager anticipation of the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that was so prevalent uh, among them. They felt like Jesus could come back at any day. And throughout time, it seems like we've kind of lost that that eagerness um, to, to, to wait for Christ. And so um, I, I really hope uh, that as people start seeing things in our world, the, the, the chaos that's here, uh, and we see that things maybe are, are going in a direction that look a whole lot like that last chapter in the book of the Bible, right. that maybe we'll become eager again, looking for, for Jesus' return, because it could be any day. Yeah, the early church was, you might could say, on their tiptoes, looking with expectancy. And it reminds me of a little boy, probably about three and a half years old, his dad's gone to work, and he's at home. He's been playing at home all day, but he's longing for his dad to get home to play with him. And he knows that it's getting close to the time for his dad to come home. He just feels it. And so he he stands up on the couch, and he leans over the, the back of the couch and parts the curtain and is peeking out uh, between the curtain, looking out the window for his dad's truck to roll up in the driveway. He's listening at the door. I mean, he is looking intently, anticipating. And then when the door opens up, there he is. He leaps from the couch into his dad's arms. Well, that's the way we're supposed to be in regard to Jesus coming back. On tiptoes, our tiptoes, 
looking with expectancy. And you know, if you expect him to come at any time, boy, that will that will have an effect on how you live your life. <laughs> That's exactly right. The third thing that I saw here, Dad, um, is uh, that Paul talks about what I think is the prize, really. You know, we've talked about the goal, and then over uh, back there in verse 14, he talks about the goal for the prize, the upward call of, of Christ. But really, the for me, when I think of the goal is obviously to live like Christ, to be like Christ, but the prize of doing so mm-hmm. is obviously to hear that well done, that good, faithful servant. But the prize really is what is re- revealed here in, in verses uh, 20 and uh, 21, where he talks about uh, glorification, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, the, the end result of sanctification is us being transformed into the very image and likeness of Christ, and that's glorification, and that happens there uh, at, at the end of time. And so our, our prize is ultimately glorification, but not just glorification, it's glorification and eternal life of Christ. Right. We get to live with our Savior, the one who who died and made it possible for us to be there. We get to live and experience eternal life with Him uh, for all of eternity. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I like in verse 26 where Paul says about uh, what will happen when Jesus comes back, who will transform our lowly body that it might be conformed to his glorious body. When Paul used the word lowly, he was not depreciating the body, our earthly bodies. All he was saying is that our earthly bodies are limited. Now, when people ask us, how are you doing? As we grow older, we answer, fine, but it is a relative answer. Listen to this poem. There's nothing Whatever the matter with me, I'm just as healthy as I can be. I have arthritis in both my knees, and when I talk, I talk with a wheeze. My pulse is weak and my blood is thin, but I'm awfully well for the shape I'm in. Arch supports I have for my feet, or I wouldn't be able to be on the street. And every morning, I'm a sight. Sleep is denied me night after night. My memory is failing, my heart's in a spin, I'm practically living old aspirin. But I'm awfully well for the shape I'm in. The moral is, as this tale I unfold, that for you and me who are growing old, it's better to say I'm fine with a grin than to let them know the shape we're in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when Christ returns, he's going to change our present bodies into glorious bodies like his. From the time Jesus emerged from the womb, Jesus had a perfect body, free from any taint of sin, free from any disease or deformity. His body was a magnificent vehicle through which he could express in human terms the glorious life of God. From the time he emerged from the tomb, Jesus had a glorified body. It could appear or disappear. It could come and go, untrammeled by space, matter of time. He could walk through a stone wall and then sit down and eat a meal as if he had come like anyone else through the door. His glorified body still bore the scars of Calvary, but now it was engineered for eternity. Paul says in verse 21 that one day our bodies as believers will be fashioned like he is. They'll be perfect. They will not age nor be susceptible to disease or decay. We'll be able to eat, talk, walk, and run, but we won't have the physical limitations of our present bodies. Man, I'm looking forward to that. Mm. Yeah. That's going to be great. And out of all of that, one of the best things is we're going to be free from from the temptation of sin and, and Ooh, all, yeah. all this wickedness, right? Uh, That's right. As much as it's good to have a new physical body, uh, the, being freed from, from the flesh 
and our, our fleshly uh, desires and intent, man, that's going to be awesome. That's probably, you know, the best part. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And then, uh, Dad, the last thing I saw here, and this is in, in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Therefore, my brethren, or sorry, my beloved and longed for brethren, uh, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord. And so uh, that stand fast, we, we've seen that uh, occur a couple times when we talked about it last time. I think the actual uh, words that uh, Paul used was to to hold fast. It says, uh, yeah, that was back in chapter uh, chapter two there where we was talking about holding fast. But this hold fast or stand fast uh, basically means uh, to be alert and to stand firm. And the be alert is, again, we should be eagerly anticipating Christ, and so we should be alert, looking for His return at any point in time. But we need to be standing firm because there are those dogs who are around. Uh, There are those uh, evildoers, uh, those uh, who are the enemies of the cross, and they are always around uh, and and trying to cause trouble, and and so is our, our adversary, Satan, who is trying to devour us. And so he says, be alert and stand firm in Christ. You know, our our goal, kind of getting back to where we started, Matt, is Christ-likeness. That was Paul's goal, and he pursued it with all of his might. Uh, He didn't think that he had attained Christ-likeness. He was giving it all he could to become more and more like Jesus. And, you know, we become more and more like Jesus by spending time with Jesus, by, by studying his word. And, you know, you won't get to know someone, even if you were dating, unless you talk to them, ask them questions. Yep. And so studying his word and, and praying and talking to him and then on the uh, reciprocal side, listening to God as God would speak to him. He wanted to be more like Jesus. That should be our goal, to grow, uh, to grow spiritually. In one of many attempts to scale Mount Everest before the successful climb in 1953, a team of mountain climbers made a final dash for the summit. Their courageous attempt failed, and they were buried under the snow. One of the party who had stayed below when the final assault was attempted eventually returned to London. One day as he was giving a lecture on mountain climbing, he stood before a magnificent picture of Mount Everest. As he concluded his lecture, he turned around and addressing the mountain said, We have tried to conquer you and failed. We tried again and you beat us. But we shall beat you, for you cannot grow bigger, but we can. Just as a true mountain climber can never give up as long as there is still an unconquered peak, so we as believers cannot give up until we have reached spiritual maturity. We must keep on walking, growing, and climbing until we reach our potential in Christ. Mm, that's exactly right. And so, Dad, as we get ready to close our episode today, I was thinking about if, if we could have Paul on the podcast, uh, how would he end it? And so I think he would end it with just this uh, simple saying here is, you're not done. Uh, press on. Keep going. Uh, reach for what's before you. Forget about what's behind you. That would be his kind of parting advice to us. And so I'm going to let that be the same parting advice for our listeners uh, this week. We uh, thank you for listening in to uh, week six of uh, Rejoice Always. Hope you join us again next week uh, for week seven, and we'll be picking up there in chapter four. Again, please uh, find someone to study with uh, and and get the Bible out and read and, and let them read. And you guys listen to the podcast and then come together, discuss it. That's a great way to to disciple uh, someone and just to get into the Word yourself. And and as you said, Dad, it's uh, it's impossible to be like Christ without uh, studying His Word and, and talking to Him, praying to Him, seeking Him on a regular basis. And so this will hopefully get you in the process of seeking God on a regular basis. Yeah. We, 
let me throw this out to you uh, folks in podcast land there. Uh, I remember many years ago, I, I went and preached a revival at a church, and the pastor there, he had some sons that were just young men in the early 20s, and they had their friends, but they'd meet at a restaurant. I imagine they met probably once a week. They sat around, and they fellowship, and they talked about the things of God. Well, listen, some of you, I want you to to pick out three or four of your friends that you can eat lunch with, maybe people that you work at the factory with or in the office with. Challenge them to listen to this podcast, and then when you come together that once a week and you eat and you fellowship, do open your Bible and discuss what you've heard. That'd be a great idea. Great idea. Well, Dad, um, if you don't mind, pray us out of here. Lord, we love you. We thank you for giving us this opportunity to encourage those that are listening to this podcast today. We pray, God, that you'd help them to realize none of us have arrived. And Lord, sure as we say we are, we can expect a test that will reveal that we haven't become like Jesus yet. God, forgive us for where we failed you. Help us, God, to strive to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.